Off the Ball Daily. A home for your favourite podcasts from Off the Ball. The performance rankings, a slight tangent, the crappy quiz, and you had to be there. You have to be there, like, but I wish I wasn't there. (laughs) (laughs) Subscribe to the Off the Ball Daily podcast feed right now. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Martin Lipton, football writer, good morning to you. Hello, how are we? Flying it and really enjoyed the game last night. I wasn't sure at the end of it though, particularly after the Pep interview, what the true story about Manchester City of uh, as of January 2023 is. What's your view on it? I don't think anyone knows actually. And I think that's the issue. I, I thought I'd be coming here to talk about how desperate Spurs were, and I think we'll get onto that later. We will. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, there's issues with um, with City internally. I think you you look at it and you think that he doesn't like he's never liked any sort of adverse fan reaction. We've shown he's shown shown that in the past. But I think he thinks that one or two of his players are and not putting the effort in. And remember you know, that his training method is full full on every session. He wants them to buy into his particularly uh, demanding ways. And I think he's looking across that squad and seeing players who don't want to do so. And I think this is the first time since he's been at City that he's had that. Now, he had that towards the end of his period of at Bayern Munich, and he showed similar signs of agitation then. Mm. Like, it's also possible, it struck me during that piece, that he is uh, rarely as giving, let's call it, and as emotional almost as he was in that piece. Is he overstating his case to a degree just to try and get a um, reaction from the players? Or does he? do you think he actually believes? Because, I mean, he, some of the stuff here, if people have missed it, if we don't show more guts, we're going to get caught sooner or later. I don't recognise my team, and Arsenal have the fire. They have the fire. Was he overstating his uh, his case? It looks as though it's a, a, an effort to get some sort of reaction, certainly to spark something uh, from them. Maybe it's a, a, to try and get reaction from the from the board to give him some more money and buy a couple of players in in the last ten days of the window. I mean, that's always possible. Mm. Um, you look at City and you still think they're a fine team, but they aren't as convincing as they have been, uh, and I think that is because they have had to change their way of playing to accommodate. Holland, and he would always score a goal because he's clearly an outstanding goal scorer, an outstanding striker. But it does mean they're playing with 10. And part of the, the genius of Pep was that you, he overwhelmed his opponents with ball possession. And you need 11 to do that. Mm, and he's never going to be that guy. What does and, and on that, because it does strike me that like a, so much commentary this morning is going to be about the interview and less so about the shoddiness of the Ederson pass that led to the first goal or how get-at-able they were through the middle in the lead into the second goal, um, that possibly those things are real tangible portents to how this title is going to play out. Well, the, the, the critical games are those two against Arsenal. Now, one of them is relatively swiftly. The other one's not till April. Mm. Uh, but City have got to win the first of those to keep the pressure on. I mean, they are in the rare position of wanting Manchester United to win at the weekend as well, which I'm sure will be uh, an irony not lost on them. Um, there's no question Arsenal have been the best team in the league this year by, by as many points as the table tells you. They've been excellent. They've only lost the one game and they shouldn't have lost that. If they'd kept their heads, they'd have probably beaten United at Old Trafford. So City are in a, a genuine fight. It's not an unwinnable fight as the one they left themselves with against Liverpool three seasons ago. And they know that they've hauled teams back in in the past. But they will need half a season where they drop maybe six points 
um, including two games against Arsenal. Well, that's that's a big call, particularly when you've got Champions League, which, as we know, is the prime target of the club. Uh, and at the moment, I think that not just the bookies, but I think that you know anyone would look at it and think, actually, this is Arsenal's title to lose. So for City to overcome that, they've really got to got to sh- shape up. And I think they they showed a laxity in the first half in particular. And against uh, a less flaky team than Spurs, they'd have lost that match. You're on with us every second or third week, Martin, and we ask you this question every time you're on, I'm pretty sure. Um, and it seemed unthinkable that we'd be asking this question this morning uh, at half time in the game last night. But uh, the future of Antonio Conte is probably, seems like a reasonable question to ask this morning. I can't see any way in that he's at the club next season. Right. At the moment. For a variety of reasons. And I think actually, and I had not thought of this before, but he gave a real indication of the primary reason in his press comments before the game. And it's nothing to do with his relationship with the board or the players or transfers or any of that. I think he fears that he's getting old. He's had a number of close friends and family die and he's reassessing his life and asking himself, do I really want to be away from home any much any longer? And I think the answer is no. Mm. As in it's he's, as simple for, as that. It's a, it's a perfectly normal, natural human reaction. For legitimate reasons, he's almost sort of checked out a bit. It, it, I, I, I don't think he wants to leave now. He, but he's a professional and he has a job to do and he'll see it through. But I don't think his heart's in it at the moment because he feels he's let people down by being away almost and he wants to go home and he wants to go back to Italy and he wants to see his family and his kids and his extended family and he can't do that if he's in London. It is those... those. Um, I mean, Luca Vialli, I suppose, is the most recent of them, Martin, that you mentioned and Giampiero yeah. Ventroni, the fitness coach and Mihailovic as well, who he got on with very well over the years. They must have all just triggered something in Conte's mind and you can kind of sense it, as you say, from his interviews that, that he certainly is thinking about life beyond football. I, I, that doesn't mean he's going to retire. I don't think he will. I think he's, it's too much in him to go to, to walk away from the game. But he could go back to Juventus or Inter or Milan or Napoli. Or obviously, not Napoli the way they're going. You know, he could go back to Italy and get a job like that and still be at home, still be close to people. And I think it's as you get older. Sadly, I know this as I'm getting older. You do start to think about your own mortality a bit more. When you're a kid, you, you're, you're never going to die. When you get older, you know you're going to die. And the question is, when you're going to die? And you start to wonder, what have I done with my life? And you start to reassess yourself and your relationships with people, particularly family. And unfortunately, this year has brought... I, look, I'm not entirely wrong. This is completely my reading of watching from remote press conferences. So I might be entirely wrong, but I read it. I just get the sense of this is a human reaction and he he thinks he has to leave. Is this season and the way it's playing out most especially galling for Tottenham fans um, given like that the fact that they've finished ahead of Arsenal uh, mostly, particularly recently not by much of, uh, for each of the last six seasons and the gap is now a chasm uh, at the top for Arsenal is that another factor for Tottenham fans' frustration at the minute with Conte or with the board or whoever else? I think it's heightened all of the frustration, disappointment. They look at the table. If Spurs have been fifth with Arsenal fourth and four points ahead, 
it wouldn't have felt so bad. It would have felt bad. It wouldn't have felt so bad. The fact that Arsenal are 14 points clear and going to probably end up being 30 points clear of Spurs the way it's going uh, doesn't help. Spurs are going to be playing, if they're lucky, and I'm not sure they will at the moment, if they're lucky, they'll be playing Europa League or Conference League next season. Um, unless something remarkable happens over the next next four months, which I really can't see. And it feels like the club's in free fall. I don't think it actually is in free fall. It just feels like it. Um, the basics of the club, the economics of the club, uh, are are solid and sound. And if you're going to ask me next, and I'm sure you will, and the answer is Maurizio Pochettino returning <laughs> in the summer. I think it's almost, if Conte goes, Pochettino will be invited back in. I presume that whoever that is, the first question is, how much money have I got to replace my goalkeeper and most of the uh, defence? Well, they've got the money. They've got a lot of money. The question is whether they want to spend it or not. Uh, they, their revenues this year, this season will be, I think, somewhere in the region of half a billion pounds, which allows them to spend £450 uh, million if they wanted to on players and wages and meet the UEFA criteria. Uh, they haven't lost a huge amount of money. They're in a position where they can certainly spend. Is there a will- willingness to do so? If you are looking to sell the club and maximise its value, which I think is clearly what the leadership, the ownership at some point want to do, you have to be able to offer Champions League football. The way you offer Champions League football is to have Champions League players. Spurs have still got the sixth highest wage bill. They've got to try and make that nearer the fifth highest wage bill to give themselves a realistic long-term time and time again chance. And, of course, there's going to be a seventh contender for those places who already is a seventh contender for those places in Newcastle. So it's going to get harder, not easier. Mm. Will Pochettino want to come back, Martin, do you think? Yes. Unfinished business. I, I always, I think at the time, I, I, I took the view that they would have been better just giving him a sabbatical and say, come back in August rather than sacking him. Uh, the relationship between uh, Pochettino and Levy was very, very strong. You've got to remember that. They used to go on holiday together, white water rafting, things like that. They were together for a long time. They disagreed on things, but a lot of it was about the finances of the of the new stadium, that Levy felt he couldn't give all the money Pochettino wanted. In fact, one famous summer, none of the money that Pochettino wanted because of the rebuild cost. That's no longer an issue. But also, Pochettino bought into it to a degree. He reckoned, he want, what he wanted to do was get rid of some players to allow him to spend the money that, from their um, sales. That included, at the time, Alderweireld and others. And they couldn't find a buyer. So he wasn't completely opposed to the policy. He just felt that it needed to be better worked out. On a personal level, I think there's still a pretty strong relationship. I don't think there's any any hint of animosity. And if he's got unfinished business, Levy will think, Uso is a manager I know I can deal with. Mm. Would there be an overhaul of the squad if Pochettino was? To, you look, even last night at the performance and performances recently, Youngmin Son is a man who's, who's bang out of form. Ivan Perisic last night, given a torrid time by Riyad Mahrez. Uh, there, there's players all over the pitch that, look, they're individually speaking, not playing well, which you can't really give Conte the blame for all of it. Yeah, I mean, but it, it, at half-time you wouldn't have said that, would you? No, fair point. You might say it about Son, but you wouldn't have said, oh, Ben Tancor's made such a difference and Kulosevsky being back and not Spurs, they're all right. They've got Kane, look at that, and even Emerson Royal. You know, and then you see the second half, I think, this is an absolute shower of rubbish. What the hell are they doing on the pitch? Mm. Football can be a bit like that. Look, I think it's no doubt Son's having a terrible season. Awful. I mean, he's, he's a shadow of the player he was for whatever reason. 
uh, and he could really do is spend the next month playing 15 minutes here and there off the bench mm. and try and galvanise him that way. Um, to be fair to Perisic, he's been one of the better performers this season. Mm. He had a poor game yesterday in the second half, but that's because he wasn't given any cover. Um, there are lots of others who I get rid of before Perisic. I mean, Spurs haven't got really, apart from Romero, a proper defender at the back and a centre-half. The right wing-back's not good enough, none of them, unfortunately. Let's be honest. I mean, even Dirty's had an improvement. He's not He's not an international class, world-class, which is what Tottenham want or need, uh, right wing-back. Uh, they can still they haven't got a playmaker in the squad. Yeah, it needs to be overhauled. Too many of those players were there in the first few, for, you know, certainly still there when Pochettino left. Um, quite a few of them were there virtually when he started, and that's ludicrous. Um, talk to us a little bit about Arsenal United, Martin, if you will, before we wrap up. It's brilliant, I feel, to have this um, rivalry back to the point where they're both at the peak of their game, both. I mean, you could extend the uh, courtesy to United t- challenging for the title. Yeah, I mean, I think the Casemiro absence could be critical because mm. he's been a pivotal part of, of United in recent weeks. And the frustration of conceding that goal against Palace, it will work either way. It will either re- galvanise them, really make them up for... To, could get the win or it will be oh, it's just a bit too far Arsenal are flying and they are an outstanding side at the moment Saka Odegaard excellent um, and Ketchia's movement if not his goals and again um, Gabriel didn't score goals so it is his movement has made up for the last lo- loss of, of Gabriel Jesus they've been incredibly fortunate you know every game 10 players play if they stay fit if they keep that fitness up they win the league but can they do that? That's the big question. But on on at the weekend, United need to win. A draw is just about acceptable for Arsenal. But Arsenal want to win. And I think that at the moment, you put Arsenal as pretty 60-40 favourites to, to do so. Mm. They've, um, you're right about Casemiro it's such a shame he's not there because I think it would have been a far different game and a tighter game and if Arsenal win everybody will point to that they've signed they've eventually made a signing Martin it's not quite the man they set out to get but um, Leandro Trossard joins uh, fees of around 26 million uh, rising to that at some point or another um, are they, is this a squad bolstering or is there room for this guy in the first 11 I think uh, when they played Chelsea and beat them I said they needed to make uh, a few changes in uh in January, I think they needed a striker. They needed a right side option um, because if they got an injury on the left, Saka could switch. Or you know, but someone who could at least give them that option up front, and they could have just done with a central midfielder in case Party gets injured. So this is one of those three. Trossard, Trossard is good enough to start, no question. Uh, whether he will start is another issue. I'm not sure he will be in the the first eleven, but there'll be games when he starts. He's already proven this season, over a number of seasons actually for Brighton and for Belgium, that he's a a quality act. Uh, It's a very good signing and it improves them in terms of their depth straight away. Um, They'll be delighted with that and and rightly so. Mm. I think there'll be no issues in terms of the uh, the atmosphere on, on Sunday at the Emirates, um, Martin, for, for sure. Like, Not to, to take it back to Pep's comments, but when he's, when he's talking about fans and fans getting involved in club games, I saw a, lot of, a, a number of City fans last night on Twitter kind of pointing to ticket prices and how, you know, for many people they can fly to Germany and go to a game for the same price as, as walk across the road in London to a Premier League match. Is that is that, a, is that an issue for, for a number of clubs at the moment, that, that atmospheres are, are being kind of... Dictated by the by the by the the sheer size of the ticket prices at the moment. I think the demographics of football have altered. Yeah, we're not talking about the working man's ballet anymore, are we? It is no longer 
uh, something that you can turn. A, you can't turn up if you want to to like uh, uh, change your mind and go to watch a Premier League game. You've got to buy your tickets in advance, and you've got to pay upwards of fifty, sixty quid. You know, in London, London prices are. You know, I live in London, so I'm, I'm used to them. But for many, most places in the country, a L- London ticket prices are ast- inconceivably astronomical. And even City have always been relatively cheap compared to to uh, a number of clubs. It feels expensive. We're in a cost of living crisis. People are going to pick and choose their their games. They can't afford season tickets, a lot of people, in, in a way that months upon a time they could have done. Um, and therefore, it does mean more tourists, if you want to call them that, who just want to, uh, to have the atmosphere of the ground for one game because of the Premier League's global appeal, are going to be inside because they can afford it. It's part of their holiday, their trip, is to go to a Premier League game. And they don't really care who wins. Um, that's just the nature of the, the success of the Premier League can be in some some regards a, a failing. So I, I think there is some some merit in the argument. But there's also a lot of City fans who booed because they were just hacked off at the way they play because they could see the title slipping away. And some of them thought Guardiola's comments on Saturday after the Manchester derby were in basically thrown in the town in the Premier League. Uh, this last one is not a, a topic to touch on briefly, but if you can, and we'll come back to it again in more uh, deep um, conversation, I'm sure, down the track. But I listened to the Jim White interview in TalkSport with John the Adams yesterday afternoon with my jaw on the ground, uh, I must I must say. Uh, former Crawley manager, banned from football until 2024 after being guilty of racist abuse. It's incredible how uh, this has played out. It has felt to me like a conversation of that should never have been in the first place, but certainly of decades old. It's horrific to realise that despite the meteor that struck the planet 70-odd million years ago, dinosaurs still walk amongst us. Um, and Yems's cultural attitudes, his, let's be honest, racism, no question about it, whatever the panel said, uh, has no place in society, let alone within football. I'm not sure... The, the wisdom of giving him a platform yesterday, but in the end, what it served to do was prove everything the FA is saying, that they want this uh, decision to be reassessed, to be toughened and strengthened and added to, because it is clearly insufficient. They don't believe that, the, this is Wembley, don't believe that they can formally demand the changes of the wording of the reading, because it was a, 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 the ruling, because it's an independent panel, including a QC, including Tony Agana, the former Sheffield United striker uh, but the only thing I can say that's a positive is that I cannot see any way in which John Yems is ever appointed or uh, given a post by a football club ever again and that's a good thing other than that it's been a pretty depressing reprehensible few days listen to that interview I'm not sure that he fully agrees remarkably uh, Curtis Fleming was incredibly um, giving and uh, and good on the topic as well you can check that out on our uh, YouTube channel Martin Lipton The Sun thanks a million Thanks a lot. Take care. OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.